Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. Diego, what's up, man? I'm really excited about today's podcast. We have an awesome couple, uh, Tristan and Kamohai, who are all the way from Hawaii, and they're fix and flips in Hawaii. And they talk about, it's really cool, because they talk about their strategy for how they find their deals, how they find off-market deals, and they talk about um, what's important to them and how they continue that deal flow. I didn't want to say what they said, because I want people to listen. Yeah, no, and one of my favorite things is, how they're the story of their success, right? Quote unquote, you can call it from going from analysis paralysis to sharing, and you'll hear all the story about it, but how they didn't make any money on their first deal oh, yeah. uh, to then now this year in 2021 doing 15 flips, right? Like how like the process on that. So I'm very excited for everybody that's going to be listening to this story. A hundred percent. It's actually, it's actually going to go down as one of my favorites. I keep saying that. I think it's just because I have really cool people on here. Um, but before we get into it, man, let's just talk about our sponsor. So today's episode is definitely going to be sponsored by reicallcenter.com, where you can get your professional cold callers if you're a realtor or a wholesaler to continue to get that lead flow. And that's important because in this podcast, uh, Tristan talks about how they uh, went from two to three flips a year to 15 by putting money into marketing. Let's get started. Tristan. Kamahai, oh, man, I know I didn't because I knew I was gonna mess it up on the podcast. I'm so embarrassed. Diego, Kamahai, what's up, guys? Hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Thank you so much for taking the time out of beautiful Hawaii. Like, I don't know why you're inside right now, listen, talking to me. I'd be outside doing this podcast or something. But thank you so much for jumping on here. Um, before the podcast, we were talking about um, a little bit about how you guys ended up in Hawaii, but you were actually raised there. Uh, kids, family names, the whole bit. Let's just rehab that conversation because I think that's super valuable. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about your upbringing here in, in Hawaii. Thanks for having us. We're super stoked to be here. Super stoked. We enjoy just talking story with other investors. So this, is I love dope. it. Um, yeah, so I'm Tristan. This is my wonderful husband and business partner, Kamohai. We are both born and raised, um, on Oahu, uh, in Kailua, actually on the east side of Oahu. And, um, my background is actually in, nonprofits and behavioral health. I'm a licensed mental health counselor by trade. Um, my husband is entrepreneurial. He had clothing stores. You can talk about yeah. you. Yeah. She likes to talk about me too. <laughs> That's so. okay. That's okay. She's proud of her <laughs> yeah. husband. Shoot. Exactly. <laughs> I get yeah, it. But um, born and raised here. Love where we live. Yeah. You should talk about like your family. Yeah. So born, born and raised. Yep. On the east side, Kailua. My uh, family has been here for generations. So my uh, my father actually has 11 brothers and sisters. Ooh. I have 80 or so first cousins that actually live in our hometown here in Kailua. Uh, so a big family and, and uh, the big family actually does help. We'll probably get into it later. But uh, yeah, and uh, my background is very entrepreneurial. Uh, my brother and I, we were like the the super like active sports um, crew right? We all skateboarded, we rollerbladed, we did all kinds of stuff, but we were always like really creative. So we were the kids that would come to school with the same t-shirt that we designed 
our our crew did. Good gang, gang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, gang, gang. Um, and so my brother and I actually turned that into a business uh, about twelve years ago. We started a brand called Aloha Beach Club, and that turned into three retail stores. Uh, we had two here on Oahu that I ran, and then my brother had one in San Diego. So he is still up there in San Diego. Uh, and that's what we did. So you've been entrepreneurial since like the the original, since the beginning. So tell me a little bit about how it's like growing up in Hawaii. Because if I'm not mistaken, or actually most people that I've met moved to Hawaii. Um, I, I don't know. Actually, I do know one person from Hawaii, but not many. So like, what is it like growing up in Hawaii and then seeing transplants and things of that nature? Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Huh. It's so interesting when um, like we have to talk about it because it's all we know. So it's like, this is just normal life for us, but I will say we are pretty unique and sheltered, I guess you can say like in a positive way, because we're on an Island. We know nothing else. You know what I mean? And we can drive around our whole Island in how many, what do you think? Like, like an hour? No, maybe like hour, two, three. Hour and a half. No way. Hour, <laughs> half. Like on the freeways with easy. traffic. Yeah. Um, but we're such a unique place where everybody knows everybody and it's more so about who, you know, and everybody loves each other and you really rep where your, your city is, I guess you can say like for us, uh, it's Kailua, you know? So it's like, yeah, from the East side where everyone else is like West side central, <laughs> You're know. literally known by the high school you went to. Yes. That's the first no question. Oh, I yeah. swear to God. The first question everybody asks you is what high school you went. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but do you guys like, oh, you, you guys like get down school. James Brown with other high schools or is it like a rivalry? Dude, rivalry. there's rivalries. Yeah. Big time. There's yeah. rivalries in the public school system. And then there's a whole private. nother side of the private school system. So he's so. a private school kid. I'm a public Rich kid. Girl. Rich kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's uh, our, our high school is pretty cool. But yeah, I think growing up for me, it was uh, like she said, it's hard to like when we're it, young you know? because that's all you really know. Yeah. But super family oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, my family, we actually grew up across the street from a beach. So just playing on the beach, that was our playground. Um, but very, very cultural and family oriented. So yeah. I am Native Hawaiian. My parents raised me um, such in, mm -hmm. in that way. Uh, I mean, obviously you hear controversy of, you know, the native Hawaiian people and, and all of that stuff. So, um, but it was always about family. That was yeah. like the biggest thing for us. Um, on the weekends we'd get together, we have big family parties, uh, and, yeah, growing up, I mean, we, I, I do feel like we're sheltered. We kind of live in a bubble. Uh, luckily, we were able to travel yeah. a lot growing up. So we got to see the bigger picture, uh, the United States in, in general. But a lot of local kids, they never leave the island. Yeah, they don't know what it's like to be on the mainland. And that, that's what we call it, the mainland. And um, experience big cities and other types of houses and building like it's foreign and we feel blessed that both of our families allowed us to travel and experience more than what just this island can provide but we feel very blessed to be growing up in such a beautiful unique melting pot with such rich culture and just like him i mean my family was 
everything we, it's, we, what we did, we spent time together. And then I think it was like sports and beach, sports and beach, sports and beach. Like that's it. <laughs> I, I love that. And, you know, I guess it's, it's the way you look at it, whether, um, you know, blessed to only have been on the Island or blessed to have traveled. Right. Cause like, I think it's in some ways, you know, some people could be sheltered, uh, by staying on the Island, but it could be a good thing too. Cause you know, when you get out to big cities, like there's huge cultural changes and things of that nature. Um, so I, anyways, that's, that's really cool. Um, I love the, I, I love the community. It really sounds like a lot like our Latin families, right. Uh, where like we get together with our families a lot. We, we do a lot of things together. We try to keep a tight knit community. Um, so that, that's, that's really cool. Um, now before the podcast had started, uh, I actually, uh, was, I got the pleasure to hear your full Hawaiian name and your daughter. So, uh, do you just have one, one, one child, many kids? You have two. Okay. So I want to hear your full Hawaiian name and then, uh, both your kids full Hawaiian name. If that's okay with you, I love the way it sounded. And I think our listeners are going to love this too. Totally. Totally. So let me preface it by, uh, my father actually gives all of all of the names for our family, my brothers and sisters and everything. And the the names come to him in dreams. Oh, uh, awesome. It's a very spiritual, cultural thing in the Hawaiian Hawaiian culture. But that's just so to preface it a little. Uh, yeah, and sure. so my Hawaiian name. Um, well, my full name is Corbett Aaron Kamohai Kiokalani Kalama. And it means the spiritual music locked in the heavens um, given to me by my father, passed down by my father. And uh, my wife will will let you guys know my our kids. My daughter's name is Yasayao Ku'upua Maiole Ihaku Iemeka Anuinui Onalani Kalama. And then my son is actually technically a third, but not really because he has the same name. We just changed one. So it's uh, Corbett Vale. So he's holding my name down. I love that. So it's the same thing in our culture. So like my grandpa is named Felipe Mejia. My dad is named Felipe Mejia. And then so am I. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of cultural sayings. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Man, I'm on, I'm over here. So I just have like Via Alonso, And that's like what my mom just calls me all of the time. But everybody else is here, here in America is like just one name. Right. So Mm -hmm. Diego. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is awesome. Just the way that there's like history passed down by mm-hmm. your parents, right? Going mm-hmm. into the names. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So moving into a little bit of uh, real estate, Tristan, and how, what do you, so how did you transition from um, apparel and, uh, you know, being in the business side of it? How did you guys get interested or start um wanting to do real estate did you just like where did that come from where did that itch come from so um i feel like it's always been in our blood per se Mm -hmm. because we grew up around it um my family owned a lot of like my grandmother and her father um owned a lot of hawaii real estate back in the day sold a lot sold a lot of it off but kept some of it and i saw how it helped my grandmother and then what my grandmother was able to do for my father by helping them. And, you know, my dad dabbled in real estate. He was an agent back in the day. And then he acquired some commercial property. And um, so it's always just been there, but they never made it 
a full-time, like a career. We were always taught, oh, it's something you do on the side. You get a W-2 and then you build your portfolio. You save up money and then you buy a property and then you save up money and you buy a property. And it's just something you do on the side. It's not a full-time thing. Um, So it's always been a passion. Like I knew I always wanted to be in real estate. And then when I met my husband and I found out, you know, his dad's ties to real estate, which. um, Yeah. So my dad uh, has a, has a long history with real estate, but the same thing. It was never like an active career. He was always on the other side, right? So he got a job at the bank. Uh, he worked his way up uh, to an executive position at First Hawaiian Bank, one of the bigger banks here on Oahu. And so he would, they would lend on a lot of real estate stuff, right? Um, from there, he became a trustee at the Kamehameha Schools Bishop Estate which is a private school here on Oahu, but they're one of the biggest landowners. So a lot of their income was generated through, um, through real estate. Uh, since then he's now taken the role as a Harry and Jeanette Weinberg trustee, which is also, they're one of the biggest landowners. So it was so crazy. I, when I was growing up, I got to we would go to these like events, my dad's events. Right. And they were like uh, full of successful people. And I would sit at these table and me, I was a very inquisitive young man. So I would ask everybody like, what do you guys do? Like, what, what, what do I have to do to end up here? Right. Like you guys. Yeah. Yeah. To be like you guys. And they would always tell me their stories. And it was so crazy because every single person was either directly or indirectly tied to real estate in some way. Right. So we had that in our brain kind of programmed in there. Um, and then we, we decided to take the leap. So she can tell you how that happened, which yeah. I, it just happened and it just felt right. And it was kind of random actually, because I mean, I grew up watching HGTV, you know what I mean? Like everyone does. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <laughs> I was on the couch. We just had my son and I saw a commercial for fortune builders. I don't know if you guys are familiar with fortune builders, but it came on and it was advertising, you know, their free seminar, learn how to do real estate, whatever. And I basically told my husband, I said, we're going to this. And if you don't come with me, then I'm going by myself and I don't care. (laughs) So he came with me and then a three hour free thing turned into, you know, a couple hundred dollar two day thing, which then turned into like thousands of dollars worth of mentorship and it works. And that's, we joined that mentorship. And, um, the rest is kind of history. I mean, the first year we didn't do much. We didn't take a lot of action. We just, he was still doing his retail stuff and I was still building the nonprofit. And, um, so a lot of education and analysis paralysis and not really taking action, but it focused a lot on fix and flip. And, but, but before that, I have to say that I was super hesitant I was the I was the person that was like skeptical, like these guys, they're just selling us dreams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, even though I knew that there was power in it, I was the more skeptical one. Uh, And then she she kind of dragged me along. Um, I feel like back maybe like three years ago, I was more risky. And now. He's more risky. The tables have turned. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So like, it's funny just how things pivot and change over time. But yeah, so it focused on fix and flip. So once a year after we joined the mentorship is when we actually started taking action. So um, that's how we started in real estate. We met with a realtor 
um, who's actually, my parents gave her her first job. So she knew me since I was super, super little. And I was like, Hey, her name's Joss. Jocelyn, Joss, can you just meet me? And I know we're going to sound crazy on what we want to do, but will you just take a risk and start sending me distress listings off the MLS? You know, the contractor specials, the needs major repair, just start sending me those. And then I want to make tons of offers and hopefully we get one. And all my offers are going to be super, super low and people are going to get offended, but can you just take that risk with me? (laughs) (laughs) What'd she say? What'd she say to that? Because most realtors are not going to waste their time. I know. And I just, that's why I like, I attribute a lot of our startup and, and where we are today to her and taking that risk on us, because if she didn't, we wouldn't be here to be honest with you. Cause she was game and she said, okay. Um, it was totally a, who, you know, situation, right? Yeah. So she, we were connected to her through family ties. Uh, and Tristan and I, when we put our mind, we're both very passionate people, right? Oh, so we're ruthless, dude. Yeah. Like, come <laughs> yeah. on, like call it like it is. Right. Like, when we want something, we're gonna go after it and we're gonna go after it hard. Right. And I think that's kind of I attribute a lot of that to our success too, is you kind of gotta be that way, you know. If you really want to go after something, you gotta be ruthless. And so did when you, we when you, we you, when we did you make your husband come after you ruthless? Did he have to oh, no. like really <laughs> no, put in the opposite way? Oh, <laughs> snap. Tell you that no, story. <laughs> she slid into the DMs. So. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, not on the Rat Race to Five podcast. He did what? Okay, stop the recording. <laughs> she slid. This is the stories that I love. No, we're going to rewind. We're going to get into that one later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Slid into the DMs and she was like, I want that one. I like that yeah. Hawaiian. Yeah. I mean, I can I can just give a little if you want. We can oh, of that. course. Are you kidding? Okay. Me? So when I was in good stuff. my my master's program getting in grad school, getting my whatever, um, he worked. My mom was his boss. So I went to she get took my, the it, pool boy. Dude, she <laughs> served him up on a silver platter. She loved me. She oh, absolutely oh loved me. Yeah. So I was getting She didn't give interview. Tristan a choice. That's no, yeah. no, she's like, the grass is greener right there. And that's who you need to marry. <laughs> and just go. <laughs> <laughs> and she was right. You know, mama is right. So oh, for sure. Shout out to mama. You're always right. Um, but yeah, so I was at my internship and I was like, hey, mom, I need hours for this. And she she was the program director for a residential substance abuse treatment program. So okay. I she let me, you know, get hours there and it was easy, right? It was easy to get hours. So I sat at her desk while I was there doing whatever she wanted me to do. And his desk was right across from her desk. So we just stared at each other for like months. You know, and I was like, you know what? That was a setup if I and knew then he, one. He <laughs> yeah. start, we started chatting a little bit on Instagram, this and that. And I just finally slid my number to him in the DMs. And then we went on one date where he thought he was impressing me by taking me to this like super cool canoe club. And I was like, you know, I'm a member here, right? Real quick. And um, the rest is history. We hung out every day since. And now we're married, two kids. Love you. You're dope. Oh man, that's awesome. I, I I love that story because I think that's the that's the stuff that like um that's like the backstory to to make it all the all this work out. I, I love that story. So I'm glad that you slid into the DMs and that he could I bet you were like, Oh my gosh, this guy can't take a hint. I'm just gonna give him my number. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, what it was. I, that's probably well, what it was. Everyone was telling you, like, hey, don't that's the boss's daughter, don't do anything. Yeah, facts. I mean, yeah, on, facts. on my side, I was like, Oh my gosh, who is that? When I saw her the first and time, and you didn't want to get fired. <laughs> right, exactly. And they're like, Don't even think about it. That's the yeah. boss's daughter. And oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh no. So 
No, I heard that. So to transition it back a little bit, we're going to get into the fix and flips and, and, and all you guys that did. So you went to the seminar. I think a lot of people have done that whole seminar thing, upsold, whatever. But um, I, I saw on your Instagram that you guys have done some flips and you guys do some really cool things. Before we get to that, though, I do want to I did want to bring up something to the attention. So um, Nerds Guide Defy Sarah and I, shout out, um, started this trend on Instagram where we asked real estate investors to present their real estate resumes to keep it real. There's so many people that are fake out there. Diego has taught me not to say names. So I'm like, being nice here. <laughs> but uh, Diego's like, dude, if it doesn't bring value, don't say it. So uh, Sarah and I were like, let's let's call people out and say, tell us your real estate resume to keep things honest because we have a platform and we have like a duty to those that follow us or whatever, to be honest. Uh, when you guys made your reel, talk about how you felt doing that because you're, you're real and I think one other person's were probably the one that had more emotion and more realness in it and it was raw. Um, talk a little bit about your reel, if you don't mind. Uh, and for those that are listening, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to Instagram, um, and follow Tristan. We'll have all their links here and you'll see their reel where they talk about their, their, um, their real estate resume. So tell us a little bit about that. If you don't mind. It kind of was a no brainer when I, I saw it on, um, another, I didn't actually see it on your two Instagrams. I saw it on somebody else's and then I commented, I was like, that's so cool. Thanks for sharing. And she was like, I want to see yours. And I was like, was that Zasha? No, uh, investing in your wealth, Templeton last name is Templeton. I don't know. Um, and I said, babe, we got to make this. And we actually brought on his cousin to help us with Instagram because we see the power of it and whatever. So she actually helped us make it. And that was at my grandma's house where we made it. And it was just, a no brainer for us. Cause I feel like at the end of the day, it, he and I, when we first started in real estate, didn't have a lot of open arms and welcoming wishes. You know, it was more like you don't do this. You can't do this. Um, so we made it our mission once we started to be the opposite of that and to share whatever we can with open arms. And as we learn and we grow to share it. So it wasn't, a hard thing to just share. And we took a lot of hard knocks in the beginning, like a lot. And, um, I thank God that we did because we learned so much in the beginning that it's like, if we can overcome what we overcame in the beginning, we, we, we got this, we can do this. You know what I mean? And I'm thankful every day for our journey and where it is now. And we, like I said, it's our mission. My, I come from a helping background as a mental health counselor. It's in my blood to just want to help, but I see how real estate can genuinely change people's lives. So if I can share that as I'm learning and I'm growing, why the F not? And I think, I think for me, it's, it just always comes back down to authenticity, right? Like if, if you're you're doing something and you're really passionate about it, there's there's a responsibility. I feel like there's a responsibility to share it. Uh, and so when we find reels like stuff like that, like that, where you're able to put something together that you're authentically doing uh, and share it, it's really easy. It's yeah. really easy to do that. Yeah. Um, but also, it there's a responsibility to that. So it was um we we love. Uh, we love doing it. We actually did it at one of our projects that we have going on right now um, that had a special story that we got how we got it. But 
yeah, yeah, it was it was a uh, it was an easy uh, easy thing to put together, but I think it's just because it, it's just our life, yeah. And it'll bleed through. People can smell BS from a mile away. I feel like in this mm-hmm. industry, you know what I mean? And be real, just be who you are because you always have value and something to share. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And question for you, you mentioned that you're in your first year, uh, you had like analysis paralysis. What changed to make you go from the first year of not knowing when to take action to then having year two and three just go? I think... Timing had a lot to do with it because I was ready. I, and I was waiting for my husband. I think I held her back. (laughs) Honestly, I was that pessimistic, pessimistic dude and everything had to be perfect and we weren't ready yet. And I I was still in a, a mindset. I wasn't in the right mindset. That's, that's literally what it comes down to. I was always telling her, you know, we can't afford that. We can't do that. Um, And for a lot of that first year was just me coming around and, and like doing my own research and figuring things out. And I think she would have like jumped in, um, right in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we have good balance, I think. And we level each other out because when one's just wanting to like climb Mount Everest, the other one's like, wait, let's try and plan it a little bit. Maybe we should sleep at the base camp for a second. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. Cause I bet you that that's something, well, had I bet you, I know that that's definitely some something that in, like with your significant other, there's that type of conversations. Like, are we ready? One may not think that they're ready and so forth. So. Um, but then now with, with your flips, can you break the numbers uh, in one of your first couple of flips? Yeah, we made zero dollars. <laughs> Dude. Oh, wow. You knocked it out of the park. You did better than most people do on their first one, though, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our first deal was off of the MLS through our realtor, Joss. She put in the offer and it was it's funny because I think that day we looked at 10 probably 10 homes. 12 houses yeah and that was the last home we saw and we saw it in the dark so we really couldn't see what we were looking at and of course that's the offer that we got <clears throat> and uh it was in central hawaii in honolulu in a city called kamaki it was a tiny little home like a three two like a thousand square feet yeah 1024 square feet we we bought it for 615 yeah 615. Uh, we estimated rehab around 120. We went Which way over that. Yeah. Um, and then we ended up selling it for 915. Yeah. Um, but we held it for a really long time and we went way over on our rehab costs. So a lot of lessons. A lot of lessons. So one of them was don't buy stuff in the dark. Uh to um we got hit with major foundation issues. So we had to literally dig down under each post. So it's a post and pure home and reinforce each post, which basically made it a brand new house. So what we thought was going to be like 20 grand and costing 40 grand. Um, and we, Adobe soil, we were not fans of it. Don't know if I'll ever want to touch a house that's on Adobe soil ever again. Um, so just got hit with a lot of stuff. Our contractor was not good. Um, so the, the job cost more and took longer than it should have. Luckily we brought in family and thought my brother's a 
very skilled carpenter. So I brought him in to kind of help speed things up. And then when we went to market, the pandemic hit and Hawaii completely shut down. So we sat on the market for like the week we listed yeah. Hawaii shut down totally. And wow. I mean, Everyone I'm, scared, I'm sure. Yeah. Everybody can remember wow. that time, right? Like lenders, everybody's getting their pre-approvals pulled. Yeah. Uh, even hard money lenders like froze for a little while. Yeah. Uh, so it was a really uncertain time. And so we ended up sitting on the market for, I think, six months. I want to say it was like maybe four. But yeah, it was forever. You know what I mean? In real estate, that's years. That's, yeah. 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 And we had to do price reductions, which is like a deal killer, right? In real estate. So um hindsight's 2020. We probably should have just refied out of it and kept it as a rental. Could have been a slam dunk burr. I mean, it appraised for 950 and we ended up selling it at 915. So like mm. if it could have been a total win if there wasn't a global pandemic. So there's just things out of your control, you know, and we made no money. Zero. But- oh yeah. That was that was it. But uh, I mean, we we walked out unscathed. Right. And oh, we wait. we walked out with a crazy education. And we also got a violation from DBP, our permitting department on that property while after the rehab was done. So in addition to, you know, foundation, global pandemic, we also had to clear up violations like it was rough. <laughs> Man, you know, what's interesting, though, is like I, I like this because um, like you said, you got all your lessons in one deal. Right. And I bet I haven't even asked you about your second deal. And I bet you crushed it compared to the first one or did a lot better. Um, And even if you made zero dollars, you made millions in education that you would have had to have paid for or or walked with somebody or paid someone else to do it. But now you were able to learn it yourself. Not just that it brought I bet it brought you guys closer together. And now you can do real estate together even better because you know each other's strengths and weaknesses, what you're good at, what you're good at, what each should handle. I bet your processes and procedures got better. And a lot of times people won't do their first deal because they're scared to go through the mud like you guys literally had to go through. But once you're on the other side, uh, you know, you have so much more education. And then the problem is when people stop after that, like you did one and then the issue would have been if you would have took all that knowledge and then stopped, that would have been the problem. But because you kept going is where your success is coming out of. Um, Diego, do you have any questions? I want to get to the second deal and see what happens. Yeah. Before that, I want to, I, I do want to ask what made you guys say, you know what? We didn't, we didn't like, we didn't make any money on this one. Let's go for it a second time rather than yeah, look, we, did, we, at least we tried but it didn't work. Let's move on with our lives. What made you go again for the second try? Um, stupidity. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think it, no. dude, it, it comes back to this passion thing. Like yeah. we ended up getting our second deal under contract before wow. we even sold our first one. Yeah. Um, and cool. so we were like, we were 100% committed. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there may have been a little more hesitancy if we lost, like if we just lost a ton of money on the first deal, but we didn't. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it was a lot of um, like us having conversations and and we were committed to this is what our path was going to be. Um, and then what do you think? I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it just goes, I think, deeper to just knowing we had proof of concept, right? Like, okay, if we can do this, 
I guarantee when we actually make money, it'll be so worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, cool. and then everything you were just talking about, Felipe, it, like literally all of those lessons that we were learning in there, we saw the potential yeah. if we had done those things. And, and, and we are the kind of people that were like, okay, let's go and let's not make that mistake again. Or let's, let's try not to, because the upside is so it, there's so much um, possibility and potential. Yeah. And we, we were so close. Like we knew we, we knew we analyzed the deal, right? We knew we ran our numbers, right? We, we got hard money. We, we raised private money, all these things that we were taught, we, we proved. So we knew we could do it. We just had to get better. Yeah. Okay. Let me, let me jump in here real quick. You used hard money and you used private money. Did everyone else, did everyone get paid back? Okay, let me tell you why you're going to be successful. A lot of people don't realize that as owners, we eat last, right? It, there, you built a relationship out of this. You built a hard money and a private money lender relationship because you, they got paid. When you do what you say you're going to do in real estate, that is all we have in real estate, right or wrong. All we have is our name. Felipe pays back. Felipe doesn't pay back. Diego flips. Diego pays back before he even takes a bite out of that bread, right? You made sure everyone got their bag first and you ended up with nothing except lessons and relationships. But what is real estate made out of? Lessons and relationships. So I think that you guys came out on top regardless of financial gain on that one. But I want to hear about what it's, how it's working now. How many flips have you done now? Um, if you want to tell us profit on one of them, that would be great. Cause I want the listeners to know that that's not where the story ends. No, that was yep. just the beginning. I, totally feel like, the beginning. I feel like we're just in the beginning, dude. Like 2022 is going to be killer. Like <laughs> we, go. we got a five year, five year head down grind, you know, cause Ooh. for us, it real estate was about time freedom. I mean, real estate always provides money, right? But what does the money do? It provides mm. time freedom. And that's what's really important for, for us. So our first year, we did nothing, right? We did no deals. We were a lot of analysis paralysis. We were figuring things out. Our second year, we did those two flips. So we did, we did two flips the second year. We're on our third year. We are, We have up until this point this year just in this year alone done i gotta count like 15 <laughs> go look at the real wow. um so we had exponential growth yeah. from our what, second what was year it? before you keep going what did what was that exponent why what happened did you just buy the right pair of shoes did you find the right contractor what every i feel like every investor has this this like 10x moment what was it for you guys you know what it was, what I attribute it to, and you can tell me what you attribute it to, but it was finding the right community and, and people. Um, so we joined a mentorship, another mentorship, a creative finance mentorship. And in that mentorship, we found a community of Hawaii investors that when you surround yourself by the right people, it changes your world genuinely. And I attribute a lot of our growth to that. And, and, what it's done for our mindset, our direct-to-seller marketing, our SOPs, just all of it. Now, now, before you answer on the other side, I'm going to give you a huge husband advice. Dude, just say your wife and you're, you're, you're <laughs> golden for three months. And <laughs> yeah. just say your wife, dude. And for three months, you'll get away with anything. Go. <laughs> 
Definitely my wife. Oh, God. <laughs> Done. Done. You just won, Winner. bro. Yeah. You won. Winner. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, have I love to, it. I, ha- I have to agree with her. I think um, the finding the right mentor and community was, was a huge thing for us. Yeah. There were things that we didn't even know we didn't know. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No. Um, and so when we found the right community, it opened our eyes to so much more possibility. Uh, the first mentorship we were in was told us we had to buy deals on the MLS or we could do direct mail or we could put up bandit signs. That's it. That was it. Um, the second mentorship showed us a whole nother possibility. And it also showed us that, yes, we are in the real estate business, but we're a marketing and sales company. Uh, and prior to that, we had done no marketing uh, direct to seller. Um, one of the big shifts is we we understood that that was a piece that was missing, and we took daily consistent action in building out our marketing and sales. What was your marketing before or now? Uh, both. Before it was none. It was our realtors sending us deals off the MLS. And, and then now? Offers. Now, whew. now, now I have become a little obsessed with sales and marketing. And I, I mean, we're, we're obviously seeing the fruits of it, but we do. So we do SMS. We, we cold call. We also do PPC um, and a little direct mail to some of super niche lists. And uh, uh, relationships, like you said, in this business is relationships. So realtor referrals and Kamohai is a genius and connected with uh, junk removal companies. And we get referrals from that. Referral business. Yeah. So love it. that's I'm a story in itself. I can, but I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. We've done three deals this year from junk, junk removal, removal guys. Those leads. are like the grittiest, best deals because you're seeing the distress in real time. It's crazy. Mm, we like literally just listed one write that down we listed one <laughs> yesterday yeah um and i'll just give you a quick numbers breakdown on it purchase for 8 30 it came from a junk man referral this house had holes in the roof we had to tear it was it was yeah, basically it was a rough one a tear it should have been a tear down but we did not tear it down yeah uh put in right around 270 in the rehab 270 grand mm-hmm. Uh, we're listed right now at one six seven five. That's gonna be beautiful. Yeah. Wow. So that those are like, I mean, the other the whole other side to Hawaii is, uh, yeah, we're on an island. It's very small, but and it's more difficult per se to find deals. But when you do find a deal, the margins are are yeah. very large. So you don't necessarily need to do like a ton of volume here mm-hmm. to be very profitable. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but with the 15 that you guys are going to be doing or that, that, that you've already done, you mentioned f- 15 is what you've done in 2021, correct? Correct. Correct. Yes. So, correct. I mean, with, with the potential, with the profits on that, just by doing 15, it's a solid, solid year. So, um, yeah, that's good. yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I think for us too, we we're trying to figure out how many deals at one time is too much. Do you know what I mean? We're trying to all the deals, Tristan, all the deals, all the deals. (laughs) Someone asked me in the gym the other day, (laughs) how many sets do you have? And I was like, I still have all of them. Yeah, all the sets. I got all the sets. sets. So I'm done. Uh, Sorry, Tristan. For us, like in the fix and flip part of the business, I, we, our goal is to do 20 a year. 
Um, so Tristan, I challenge you to do 40 next year. I challenge you to do 40 flips. I think you can do 40 flips. I'm not, I, I, I can see that happening. We're bringing you I back next December. I too. I feel like we could do it too. It's just a matter of if I want to do Facts, that. right? You are on the beach. Bro, I couldn't be in Hawaii flipping, bro, because I'd be on the beach, like picking up the phone, like, I don't want to do that today. This is too pretty out here. I'll do it tomorrow. I want to go surf. I want to go surf. Yeah, I want to go surf. Screw this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Flooring? Nah, we good. Do that tomorrow. It's totally like that sometimes. It is. Uh, I mean, it is. sometimes it's hard. We're we're literally in the phase where we're team building now, right? So we're trying to yeah. dude, the goal is always passive income. So out of those 15, we actually kept we bird two. We bought one creatively. We uh, kept five. We kept out five of out of those 15. Um, so we turned two of them into Airbnbs. We bought one Airbnb creatively, seller finance. Uh, and then two Airbnbs, creative finance. Two, yeah, two creative finance. And then we were burring two condos. So the goal is passive income, right? So we're we're trying to to get to that that point um, and building our cash flow. Uh, and then at the same time, we're trying to build ourselves out of our business, right? We're, yeah, so we're course. at, right. Like that's always the goal, right? So this year, along with the growth, we also built our team out. We, we do have VAs. Um, we have, project you know, manager. project manager, lead manager, uh, brought on, right. A few more contractors that just work exclusively for us. So uh, so, so let me let me ask you really quick about your marketing, because I know a lot of people right now are having to find off market deals just because the market's hot everywhere. Right. If you're listening, your market is not special, friend. Every market is really, really hot. Everyone's like, but my market's hot. I'm like, every market is hot right now. Don't give me that crap. Diego, hush. Your market is just as bad. Everyone's as bad. So let's talk about your marketing. You said you do some text message, some, some, uh, uh, I don't think, I don't know. I don't think you said ringless voicemail, but I think you said direct marketing and then cold calling as well. Do you guys do the cold calling or do you have a VA do it? Talk to us about a little bit deeper into your, um, marketing specifically cold calling if you want. Yeah. So cold calling, we have a full-time VA that, that just one VA. So for, for us here, there's literally 300,000 addresses on Oahu. That's all. Just 300. Uh, so I pulled all the data. That's what. That's how I do it. Why not? Um, right. And pull all the data. And one of our VAs can call through that data fairly quickly. Right. I mean, within six months or so. Um, and so that's all I do. And then we'll just update those lists. So one full-time VA that's cold calling. Then we have one full-time VA that sends out text messages. And then we have a full-time VA that takes care of those two VAs. So an yeah, admin VA. Yeah. Um, and that's on the cold calling text message side. Yep. So that's awesome. And I know that works because as a flipper or a wholesaler, you need that continual deal flow. Um, and if at any point you do stop ramping that back up, it's just like going to the gym. It's so hard if you stop, do a deal and then try to go find another deal. You're going to have six months of nothing. So you have to continue and continue to advertise and continue to do that. And I think that's where a lot of people maybe kind of slack off. They'll go three months without a deal coming in and they'll be like, okay, well, this isn't working instead of just continuing that grind. And that's why you're going to do 15, 30, 40 or however many you decide to do. Uh, I think that's awesome. I, I really wanted to dig into a little bit of that. So, so that's really cool. And that was yeah. the piece. 
that we were missing because when we got marketing. our first deal, yeah, marketing. when we got yep. our first deal, all marketing stopped and we just focused on that one deal. And then you're yeah. starting over every single time. And we're like, this is not how you do things. So joining that, you know, that creative finance mentorship really allowed us to realize, like you said, that we're a marketing company and have constant deal flow. It, if you have no deals, you have no business. I was talking to a multimillionaire one time um, and I asked him, I said, hey, how do I go from uh, uh, a second level, high level, six figure earner to that million a year? Like, how do I go to million plus a year? And he said, if you're asking me that question, I know that you haven't marketed and hired. And that's all he said. He was like, if you're asking me the question of how to go from a high six figure earner to million dollars a year or plus, it's because you have not hired enough and you have not marketed enough. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was it. Those are the two things that he said, hiring and marketing. If you just spend more marketing dollars and hire more people to take over positions, then you are going to do better. Because at first, everyone starts the same. We all wear all the hats. We're the contractor. We're the we're the marketer. We're the Instagram. We're, the, we're everything. But you slowly hire those positions out and you maybe stick around at the best position that you're at and then you hire everything else out and then you focus on marketing, marketing, marketing. And he was like, that's it, man. That's how you take any business to the next level. You hire and market as soon as you can afford it. So true. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I mean, that's literally what that's what we started we to implement. Right yeah. yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. That's cool. So for next year, you mentioned that uh, you guys are that your goal is going to be to do twenty and maybe forty. Um, but out of those twenty, how many how many of those do you guys want to keep? Again. So we actually just had this conversation and I think one in every three or four, we want to keep, that's the goal cool. yeah. But for us. We really want to acquire our portfolio through creative finance. So that's kind of also a pivot and a goal to, can you explain that really quick creative finance for those that are listening? Uh, you don't have to go into super, super detail, but 30,000 of you, what is it and how does it work? There's a bunch of creative, creative finance strategies, but it's basically where you can acquire property with no traditional mortgages and right. no banks. Okay. Yeah. That's like the simplest that. way. <laughs> yeah. Super can simple way to, us, to kind of explain it. Can you give us uh, an example of one of the 15 that you've done this year yeah. of how that worked out? Yeah. You want a, you want like a, Do you want a unicorn killer or you want like a base base hit? <laughs> I would we say have, a base hit. Okay. okay. Um, why not? Why not? Um, okay. Well, you're the numbers guy though. Like I'm yeah. just the okay. manager. So the, one thing is we do like a ton of different kinds of properties, right? So for a, a condo, we do anything from like a condo. We've done a few condos this year, all like the way to one bedroom, tiny. Condo. Yeah. Like a one bedroom condo, um, all the way to like single family where we tear it all the way down to the studs and basically rebuild the house. So obviously you know, our, what we're gonna, the numbers on the condo and how much time and money we have to put into it, uh, compared to what we get, what we're happy walking away with is totally different, but this is a, a deal for a single family home. Um, and it's out on the West side in a very, like, a not a gentrification up and coming right area. Uh, and we bought the, the house 
through a text message. So it came from a, a SMS as a marketing strategy. Uh, and we bought it for three hundred and sixty five thousand dollars. Wait, you got to give the, the back. Well, I, I mean, I can give the backstory too. If you want. Yeah. Story. OK, Skipping perfect. Around. Let me give you the backstory. So I reached out to this guy uh, after the SMS and basically we had a, a few conversations uh, and we ended up locking the property up. So locked it up site unseen, like didn't see it. We went out to look at it. When we were looking at it, there was a ton of unforeseen foundation issues, right? It's a very common, common thing to run across that stuff here in Hawaii. So I went back to him and I, I totally straight up told him, I was like, Dude, I, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't know that there's this extensive damage underneath the house. I can't pay the price that we agreed upon. I need it for, you know, this price. And at that time he said, no, no I don't, I don't want to do it. And we said, okay. And so I followed up with him every single, uh, probably once or twice a week. I need everyone to listen to this part right here. Follow up game strong. Yeah. Followed up with him for every, every one or one or two times a week for the next six months, six months. And finally, he actually reached out to me. It wasn't even one of the, the follow-up calls that I was, I was calling him. He reached out and he's like, come on high. Something has come up. I need to sell right now. Are you still interested? Yeah. So we're like, yes, let's go back out there. I met up with him. We ended up locking the property up for $20,000 less than what we originally were going to pay for it. Right. Let's so go. we we locked it up for three sixty five. Uh, we went in, we did a uh, hundred and fifty seven thousand dollar rehab on it yep. uh, in two and a half months was our rehab time uh, listed on the market for six eighty five selling it. So sell, selling it for seven twenty six. Oh, I love that. I love that. But there's no deals out there, guys. There's no deals out there, remember? Yeah, yeah. There's no deals. Yeah. Uh, I think we made 126 on that one. Yeah, something like that. You know what's you know what's crazy is that the recipe for success I hear over and over again. As I'm surrounding myself more with successful people, I'm hearing that everyone does the same thing: marketing, hiring, and ad follow-up. If you can do that, you are going to be okay. Now, Diego and I own a real estate. Um, cold calling companies. It's called REI Call Center, right? Our clients, we have about 50, I think we're close to 50 now, um, have a virtual assistant cold caller calling all day from there, getting two or three hot leads a day. And we have people that are like itching to get another cold caller, nothing in between. And then we have people that are like, ah, oh, this isn't working. And it's really interesting, the dynamic of two different people where it's like, have you followed up with your leads? Have you continued to call? Like, well, I got a lead and she said no. Yeah, get it out of the way so that you can start the crowd. Like, get that no out of the way so that you can continue that follow up, which is why we said earlier, like, you have to continue marketing and deal flow because if not, you're you're going to get a bottleneck in your business. And that's the same thing for realtors and the same thing for real estate, anything real estate related, flipping, wholesaling, if you're a, a buy and hold, follow up game, marketing and hiring. Like, that's how you're going to get to the next level. 
Fortune is in the follow-up. One hundred percent agree. I, I, I like think that fortune is in the follow-up. It's Somebody totally on in, a shirt. Totally in the follow-up. I think our our uh, average deal we're touching people about ten times, um, at least ten times before it turns into a contract. So I mean, most of and this is the thing super important to remember is like, okay, you're committing to some marketing and you start marketing to someone a lot of the deals that you're going to see from that marketing aren't going to happen the first couple of weeks, right the first yeah. month. Those deals are going to start happening four months down the line. Yeah. I always tell people to wait 90 to 120 days. Right. Yeah. 30, 40, yeah. three months to four months down the line. And you're just building that pipeline. Right. So I always tell people, be able to commit to at least, like you just said, 90, 120 days, have that budget, and then make sure you're following up because those deals are going to happen, you know, down the line. Yeah. Exactly. I agree 100%. Tristan, come on high. That's all right. Yep. Oh, uh, got it. Come on high. I love it. it. Guys, thank you so much for being on this podcast with Diego and I today. You guys crushed it. People are going to get a ton of value out of this. If you were listening in, please rewind it and listen to it on like 0.5 slow because there was so much information in there. He, I mean, they literally gave me the secret sauce to their business, which was marketing and follow-up game, right? Uh, and then follow through. Uh, that's the next one. So I think, I mean, awesome. Seriously, guys, thank you so, so much for spending a little bit of time with us. Uh, Diego, any last words? Uh, no, thank you very much. Where can people find you? What is your IG or if you have a website, anything? The best place to see what we're doing and, and contact us is our Instagram at Kamohai and Tristan. I love that. Kamohai and Tristan. Well, thank you very much. Thank you yeah. very much. Thanks, guys. Yeah, super stoked. We're 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 thankful yeah. uh, for we you guys. Talk so for days. Yeah, we'll talk forever. <laughs> but I do have to say that you guys are are some of the first people that we started following. We're getting into the business, yeah. so very inspiring. And I I actually love um, your style, Felipe. Mm -hmm. You tell it how it is. Love it. Uh, you're you're a straight shooter, and that's what's drawn me to you. Yeah. So you. keep keep doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Honored to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And we ever go to Hawaii, Felipe, we'll, we have to Absolutely. check out some other flips and visit them. Yeah. Would love that. The Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.